you guys. Well, good morning, everybody. Good. Hi, Art. (laughs) Good morning. My name is Dion. Um, Welcome to Crossroads. Thanks for joining us this morning. Um, If you are a guest with us today, we just appreciate that you're you're here and you're spending some time with us. So as we get started this morning, um, we just want to kind of just talk a little bit about Uh, some of the things that we do here at Crossroads because we always just want to encourage everybody and remind us that the reason why we're here is to show God's love to our town, to be able to serve you and your families, to offer um, any way that we can help in any area that we can help. And so if you ever have any questions or anything about um, what the resources that we offer, the things that we do and how you can get connected, please just let us know. Please join me in prayer. Holy Father, we do thank you for the fact that baptism represents new life. Um, Man, sometimes we can't even comprehend what that really means until we take that step, but we just thank you that you're so patient with us as we make baby steps forward to discovering who you are. Um, And so, Lord, I do pray that uh, for those who have made that decision, that we get to celebrate with them and that we'd be able to encourage them as a church and and um, just thank you that you offer everything that we need for that, um, including how to handle the trials of life. Um, thank you that you do not leave us without hope. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to try it again. Are we, are we all right? Good. Okay, good. Here we go. Uh, again, we're, we're talking about the book of James. He's a very blunt person. He just cuts right through it. He's the half-brother of Jesus Christ. He walked with authority in the early church. Uh, he did not follow Christ, or he, he knew Christ, obviously, growing up. He was not a Christ follower until Christ rose from the dead, and his life radically tra- changed. And so we're reading a letter he wrote to the church, and it's one of the first, if not the first, letter that was sent out. Somewhere 10, 12 years after Christ rose from the dead, uh, this letter was written to the church, persecuted and separated. And we've been looking at, we'll look at each of these topics. Last week was be real. James is very blunt. This week, it's just one of those topics that everyone comes in here so excited when you see it on the sign. It says, suffer well. If you're going to suffer, do it right. And so today we're going to be talking about suffering the correct way. Uh, worldly versus God's wisdom next week, holy fruit, inclusive, and just do it, is the blunt talk of James uh, as we go through this series for the next couple of weeks. Uh, one of the couple of things, it's, it's, it's exciting when he sent this letter out. The church was growing. I've, I've used this analogy before, but it was like a spiritual atomic bomb going off when Jesus came to this world preach the message of God's love, God's plan for each and every one of us. Uh, He's crucified, and he rose from the dead. The very power of his resurrection, the news of that spread through the whole known world at that time. That was not only through uh, the Roman Empire, but far to the east, to India and China, to his disciples who carried that message around the world. This is good news. And so, uh, he, he writes this out, and he's talking to these missionaries that are out there. But, but uh, James himself stayed basically in Jerusalem up until about 63 when he was martyred for his faith. 
but he writes a letter as the established leader of the church. As we look at some of the things in the book of Acts and the history of the church at that time, he was a mature, respected leader. They would often come in and bring peace around doctrinal issues that were facing people that were there. So again, he's talking to a church that's under persecution. Well, how do you respond to that? What do you do? Uh, he writes a, a blistering, that's not the right word, a blunt comment about how we treat trials. We're to count it all joy. We're to say, wow, a trial and a tribulation. Don't do that. No, that's not what, but not for the trial, not for the pain. That would be a very strange approach. It's not for the pain. It's not for the suffering. It's not for the loss that we have joy. What we have joy for, why we count it all joy, is because of the result. Weathering trials, weathering pain, opposition, overcoming obstacles changes us. It changes us first. Uh, the verse says that the testing of your faith will produce steadfastness. This word steadfastness uh, is hupomone. I, I love the term. Just, that, 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 don't you want to just to say it out loud a bunch? Hupomone. It just flows. It's steadfastness. It's, it's commitment. It's certainty uh, that, that's there. It's steadfastness. A patient, enduring, and sustaining. And, and what you do that when you're in trials, the parismos, an experiment proving a trial. You know, the, the word really, this, this parismos, would have been used today if you were looking at the quality of gold or a saying, a, a, a sample that you brought in. Uh, 14 karat gold or 24 karat gold is, I, I think, 20, I used to think 24 was the good, or the 14, but it's actually 24. The strongest one, the purest one is 24 karat. That's the test of us. What's, what's our quality? Are we a 2% or a 50% or a 100%? And so this parismo will test us, will say where we are and how we're functioning in those particular areas. You know, this is a, this is, this is a challenging message because steadfastness have its full effect that we might be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Blessed is a man who remains steadfast, again the word, hupomone, under trial. When he stood the test of time, we will have the crown of life. God's promise. Finish the race. Don't stop. And one of the things that we all know, I would suspect almost all of us have been on a path one time with a goal set, stuff happens. And we either overcome or we take a step back. In the case of our walk with Christ, James is saying, Persevere, uh, put up with, work through, not rejoicing in the pain, but rejoicing in the result, because the result in our lives, if we persevere, will be a new godliness that's there. But so, so the question is, why is that necessary? Why is it necessary for you and I to have pain? Does, couldn't God just get his magic corner and just say, you're perfect? No. There, there, there's a requirement inside of us because we're sinners. Now, if you're new to Crossroads, uh, you may not have known this when you walked in, but you're walking into a group of sinners. Don't grab your purse. I don't think we've got that going on. But the truth is that everyone's a sinner. 
So many times we, we try and hide that behind phrases and everything else. But I make mistakes, and so do you. So God has areas in our life that he'll send a trial to get rid of, to get our attention. And so to do that, he wants to get rid of the bad parts so good parts can grow. And so to start, we're going we're to watch a video uh, that we've shown before that helps explain the reason for the pain that God allows. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, but I want to. So I go to God and I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, would you do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your Son? Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Oh, who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. That's how it works. <laughs> you're not God. No, I am. Okay, uh, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. You are God. What, what's that about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Let's get busy. Okay. I'm going to bring up things in your life that don't belong in your life. And, uh... Start right here. Your anger. Ow! I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrongest of ways. You compare yourself to others instead of me, and you lie. You tell little white lies. You're so afraid of confrontation. You're becoming a people pleaser. Okay, time out. Um, I think you've done some really good work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, but when I look like Jesus, people get uncomfortable and I don't think I'm supposed to do that. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. No, what I'm saying is you've grown me to here. Maybe we take a break from each other for a while, all right? And then I'll stay here and then you come back and we can grow some more. You never just take a break from me. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but you never just plateau. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, chisel. No, 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 chisel. All right, here we go. Can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Okay, sorry. Mm. This right here, that secret sin, that thing that you run to whenever you're hurting, you're angry, you're lonely, you're tired. Do you want to keep rearranging this in your life or do you want me to chisel it out? Chisel it. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's your whole life. This, this hurts, okay? I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain. I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you are doing in your life that are insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. I know, but I've let you down so many times, God. No. You were never holding me up. Okay, then chisel away. But just be prepared for what you're gonna find in there. Cause I know who's inside there. God, I get up every morning and I hate what I see in the mirror cause inside is this scared, stupid kid. And I try, I try, but I can't, I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I wanna be, much less who you created me to be. So chisel away and just know what you're gonna find in there. You have listened to so many voices, so many critics for far too long that are not for me. And you've bought into the lie. You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night, at the end of the day, you think you're junk. I don't take time to make junk. 
want to show you something about my love. Reach in your back pocket. This is a, it's a page from a notebook when I was in college. How'd you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. Dear God, did I hear you right? You said you want to use me. But I feel really useless. But if you can take this life, this mess of a life I have, and do with it what you want, I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. It's gonna be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was gonna be easy when you said yes to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's? No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you. But maybe for the first time in your life, the way I made you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. You are an original masterpiece. Stuff to learn. By the way, and I hope, and this is really a huge application, is that we recognize, I recognize, and I hope you recognize that there's things in our life that God wants to remove, that he's going to work in our lives through, if you will, trials, pain, and suffering. That's the huge walk away from this. Now, my personal walk away from it is I found out for sure that I'm right, God's bald. If you, if you caught that in the video. Uh, the truth is that this is how we grow. It would, be, it would be really nice if God would just give us the Bible. We, we have understanding of who Jesus is, and we just change. That it would be that simple. Just the knowledge and the fact in our life would change us. That's not the way it works. Uh, there's one verse in the Bible that, that, I, that I found one day and, and circled around it. It's an example, and I think the only one, where someone sees something and it changes their life without pain. It's just the knowledge that brings it about. This comes out of the book of Proverbs. I passed by the field of a sluggard. I love that's one of my favorite words, sluggard. Someone who's lazy and is not diligent. Uh, and, and by the vineyard of a man who's lacking sense, and behold, it was overgrown with thorns, ground covered with thistles. It was a mess. The wall was broken down. And so this guy sees someone else making a mistake. And he said, I considered that. I, I took a step back and saw what that meant. And I received instruction. He says, basically, a little slumber, a little sleep, a little easiness, and our poverty will come upon us. You see, there's an example of learning from just hearing or seeing something. I'm not so confident that that's ever happened in my life. Sin in my life has been exposed by pain in my life or pain that I caused other people or pain that I caused God. Pain was necessary for me to see the issue, but it was also the continuation of God lovingly chiseling on that fault that helped me grow, that allowed me to grow. You know, sometimes this is an uh, example that I, we encounter in parenting all the time. 
parents have come in so many times when their kids got an issue and they say, but I told them that you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. And I totally explained everything to them. It's a waste of time. I say, they're sinners. Matter of fact, your little dear bundle is a sinner rat dog waiting to be growing up to be a big sinner rat dog. We're sinners. And so to explain something to someone, it doesn't work. You, a parent needs to discipline. And, and this, is, this is where it gets hard in our culture today. We live in a culture that we want everyone to be happy. We, we, we live in a culture that's obsessed with self and self-happiness, getting the things that we desire, the things that we want, so that life will be wonderful and we'll be happy. You know, avoiding pain, uh, avoiding any absolute. I was reading a book today where a, the new curse word is should. The inability to tell someone else, I should, you should do this. You should do that. They say that's like blows on a man that's dying. That, that's so condemning and, ex, you know, uh, exclusive and judgmental. You can't use the word should because it might hurt their feelings. We, we have to tell them that everyone's okay. I'm okay. You're okay. I don't know if you read the book. I did. Uh, I feel really good about myself until I read the Bible. And it said, you're not okay, Bill. Uh, you, there's work to do in you. In the culture, most people that we're dealing with do everything we can to avoid pain and correction. We had to take the Ten Commandments out of the school. It was too confrontive. Too ugly to be able to put that in front of our kids. One of the Supreme Court justices said, heaven forbid they might read it, understand it, and do it. No, we don't, we don't want that. It has to be amused. We, we have amusement parks where amuse means no thinking. So we can go there all day, acres of ground. We can walk everywhere and not think. Uh, amusement, mindless, uh, blasphemous, even television, media, uh, social media where we're constantly protecting if you will, our self-image uh, that's out there, or we can use drugs, alcohol, chemicals to cover any pain inside of our life. You know, uh, even today, many, many people don't talk about sin. Churches don't deal with sin. You know, the, the truth is that uh, we are commanded, I am commanded, and you as Christ's followers, we're commanded to tell the truth. Uh, you know, talk what Jesus would say. Uh, reach, you know, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove. Listen, this is, this is shoulds. When we talk to people, reprove them, rebuke them, exhort them with complete patience, teaching them. Because we live in a time, he says, we need to be doing that. You need to be doing it. I need to be doing that. When I stop offending you, Please go somewhere else. I want to continue to offend you as long as you're here. Not offend in a negative sense, but to call you to the same road that Christ called us to, is to holiness. And so in this situation, there's people today, there's churches that will go, says, you're just fine where you are. But the truth is, we're not fine. Uh, statistically, I bring these up not as a club or anything else, 67% of the people in our country claim to be followers of Christ. 2% are. 
this is an age of deception. So preach the word, reprove, rebuke, be corrected. And the, the goal is not happiness. It's holiness. It's a word that we don't throw around, holy, without fault, without, without blemish inside of our lives. It says to prepare our mind for action. Being sober-minded, this is, this is the apostle Peter who was really known throughout uh, his time originally as make, saying the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong people. And Jesus would correct him and say, Peter, don't be so impulsive. Don't, here's the deal. As Peter grew, he wrote letters to the church, just as James did. And, and you hear in his letters this mature Christian Who's, who's suffered the trials of life and persecution and everything else growing. And, and what is, what is he fully, set our minds fully on the grace to be brought to us at Christ Jesus. As obedient children, and this is for 2023, don't be conformed to this world. Don't, don't fit in with the world, the passions of this world. But as he who called you is holy. As God's holy, he calls us to be holy. Holy? Wait, excuse me. My goal is to be holy? What else would it be? A little sin? That's okay. Don't get radical, Bill. Holiness, that's a standard far above. That's 24 karat gold. That's, that's purity that, that he calls us to. But you know, uh, in this thing, look, why not? What else would we call our kids to? If you're, if you're a parent, what would you call your kids to? Look what it says. Do you want your kids to be happy or holy? Holiness is, is a life full of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's holiness inside of our lives. And the truth is, as a parent, I want my kids to be that. And there's always a balance in this situation to be happy or to be holy. And as parents, I, I think every parent here or anyone with a friend, we want our children, my case, my grandchildren, and now great-grandchildren. I don't know how that happened. Well, I know how that happened, but I don't know why it happen now to be holy i don't want them to suffer what i did i don't want them to make the stupid foolish mistakes i made for 33 years every parent in here has a hope that their children and grandchildren will avoid the pitfalls of this world and the sin that's there and the pain that accompanies it i hear it all the time and i'm sure you do too and, and i feel it inside my life i want to pass on holiness the standard that's there. So how do we do that? How do we go from someone who's flawed and failing uh, with mistakes? Now, again, this is, there's an assumption that this next verse starts with. It starts with an assumption that since you've heard, since you've heard about Christ and you were taught in him, the truth is in Jesus now, this is an assumption. I said earlier, 67% versus 2%. The assumption in our culture when we talk to people is that they're Christians. This is a mistake I made for years. 
Uh, I was counseling in a church, and I would do a premarital with someone to give them all these wonderful biblical principles. Or if they came in in trouble and they say, we're falling apart, give them the principles, everything would work. But over a period of time, I would find out that they had got divorced, had fallen apart, the same things in return. What was missing? Well, Christ was missing. I just assumed they were Christians. And I learned from that. And so now when people come in, my discussion isn't about their marriage, about this problem or that problem. It's about their relationship with Jesus Christ. Describe that to me. What does that look like? What are you learning? Where are you reading? What's God telling you? This is, it's, it's about Christ. That's the hope, assuming that we've heard about him. And then there's a very simple process that takes place there. It says that if you count it all joy when you encounter various trials. So when, we, so when we do this inside of our lives with various things and they, all of this, when things are happening, stop, take a step back. And that's what the rest of really our talk is going to be about. What do we see? What do we take off? And what do we put on? But again, assuming. The assuming is my two favorite verses that I will speak, teach, and talk about is that uh, when Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow me, you take up your cross and follow me. There's a, there's a sacrifice that takes place, and I've been crucified with Christ. Our old life has to die. This, this sin that's there has, has got to go away. I've been crucified with Christ, because if we want Christ to live in us, if we want holiness, then that old life has got to go away. There's got to be a decision made. And this is foolishness to the world. This is why the word should. You see, in front of both those verses, Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, you should deny yourself. You should take up a cross. You should give up those other habits. And, and the next one, you should be crucified with Christ so he can live in us. These are shoulds, commands, and demands that are put upon our lives. You know, I, I encourage people to read a book we have them in the back free called The Radical Cross. It's a transformation of life. There's no neutral in Christianity. We either are seeking holiness in Christ or we're not. There, there's no middle ground. There's no lukewarm. Uh, love for Christ is 100%. So our commitment is 100% to him. So how do we continue with this assuming things? The verse goes on to say you take off the old and you put on the new, uh, this, this fruit inside of our lives that, that needs to be removed, the, the junk. And, and God gives us a list, just as he gave us a list of love, joy, peace, patience. This is Christ. Here, what we take off uh, is immorality of any kind, immaturity, sensuality, idolatry. These are what's works of the flesh. This is that natural being, our our human nature that wants to be the center of everything, to indulge ourselves in all of it. Uh, and, and I don't know what yours is. Well, excuse me, I don't know which of them. There's multiple. I, I think that in each of the areas is, is an area, we find areas we struggle in. As a matter of fact, if, if you look at the list of, if you're, if you're jealous, if you have anger and going rivalries, dissension, all of these things inside of our life, this is an area where God wants to put the chisel. You know, and again, I only wish it was as simple as the video. Chink, and it's gone. It, I, you go through it, I'm constantly all, 
battling in each of these areas to grow, to find Christ, to put on that new person that's there. And as a matter of fact, it, it's just not in each of these. The, the verse goes on in, in the chapters that we've been reading from, and he, he gives us a list. He says, here's what you do. You, you have to take this off, and you have to put this on. There's no void. Found this out early in my life. You, you, you have to be able to uh, put on something to replace what is gone that is there uh, inside of their lives. Put on the new self, the new thing that's created in the likeness of God. True righteousness. And he goes on and he says, if, if you have trouble lying... Tell the truth. This is pretty straight. This is pretty deep theology uh, as you do it. If you have trouble you know, lying, well, start, start telling the truth in each of those things. If, 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 you, if you've got anger, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil an opportunity in your life. Deal with it right away. Get rid of the anger. It, just don't be a thief that steals from other people, but, but get a job and give to other people. One of the famous... I think the premier really the started the whole movement was the, was the guy that wrote a book, Competent to Counsel. And in it, he said, if, if you just stop stealing and don't start working and giving to other people, you're just an unemployed thief. Until you complete the action of putting off the stealing and start doing the right thing. It says, don't let anyone corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Only what is good for building people up, that it might give grace. And the last one is bitterness, wrath, Anger, clamor, and slander be put far away. And the command, each Christian, and the sustaining power of relationships, marriage, family, is be kind, tender-hearted. When you deal with other people, forgiving as Christ forgave us. These are, these are take-offs and put-ons that are there to be, to be renewed in everything that we do. That's there's a, there's a, actually, this be renewed in the spirit of our minds. We put on the new self. Uh, and if we, if we seek God with our whole heart, he will do that in each of our lives. It's a promise that he gives us. Now, uh, a couple of examples of this. Uh, be renewed in your mind that you can put on the new self the likeness of God. Uh, with my whole heart, I will seek, I will, I, I will not wander from your commandments. I've stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Uh, we put, I do, and it's encouraged that we do that, is put God's word and the verse that replaces the behavior that we want to get rid of. Seek God with everything that we have. Store it up so that when we're tempted, we've got that verse available uh, inside of our lives. Put on Christ. Make no provision for the flesh. That verse, by the way, was, this is the hard way to say that, dominated my life the first couple of months and continuing in Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provisions for the flesh and the lust thereof. I was saved in Carlsbad, California at a beach town during the summer. You don't think there's a temptation going on around you? Uh, yeah. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh and the lust thereof. I think the first month, and I'm just making this up because there's no quantifying it, a uh, hundred times in different things, not just temptation of looking at other things, but thinking other things. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh and the lust thereof. You can have my verse, I give that to you. And store it away in your mind. 
So when you get a tempting thought, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh and the lust thereof. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision. First month or so, you know, maybe bunches of times. Next month, not so much. Next month, not so much. I rarely pull it out now, but it's there. And it does come out from time to time. When a thought comes through and so easy in the political tension that we live in. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh. Because all politics talking is trying to draw you into a hissy contest of condemning everyone else around you. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, replace. You don't stop behaviors. You, you, you really do that. You, you, you replace it. I, uh, most of you know I had a serious drinking problem before I was a Christian. I was a third generation alcoholic. Uh, totally functional, but there was a thing that was mine. Happy hour. Let's go get happy. That's not holy. Let's go get happiness. And so would go to the bar, that's my wife's chagrin. Uh, I would come home happy. She was not happy. Uh, but that was the reality. So how do, you, how do you deal with that? Well, it was very simple. I stopped going to happy hour. We started a Bible study on Friday night. We went from, instead of having happy hour, we went to holy hour. We'd never been in a small group before. We heard about it from her brother-in-law, Ralph Rico. And so I heard about that small group, and when I came back, I said, I got to get one of those. And I had to pick a night to put it on. Friday night. Let's, let's get together and open the Bible, and let's talk and, and share life with each other. This is putting on a replacement. Uh, I'm a ter I was a terrible driver. I thought there was a first place on 395. If I passed enough people, went fast enough, I would be there first. I took off speeding and put on cruise control. It's an electronic Holy Spirit. <laughs> and so whatever the thing you want to get rid of, replace it with something that God puts, and he'll do that. I could give you some other examples, but it's been an ongoing thing of, okay, what do you want me to replace it with? You know, this, this action that we're taking inside of our lives is to become holy. You know, and, and when we face trials, that's a chance to become holy. As I was getting ready for this, I was reading through, and I suggest to everyone, if you, if you, if you want to do a devotional book outside the Bible, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers is is beautiful. It's powerful. It actually has changed my life in so many ways. Of April 14th this year, when we're squeezed in a trial, when we hit something hard, when we're squeezed, what comes out? A wine <laughs> or wine. Something sweet and beautiful and usable. Non-alcoholic, of course. But what comes out when we're squeezed? When you get squeezed, which we all do, by the way, if I keep you late here, you're going to get squeezed. I saw you look at your watch. Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> but when we get squeezed, what comes out? Think about the last couple of times when, when someone confronts you or says something you don't like or cuts you off in traffic. Squeeze. Is it a wine? Or wine. It's something sweet. God is still teaching us that in everything in everything we experience, good, bad, it's ordained by God. Did you know God is in control of everything? 
not just some things. He's in charge of everything. You know, it's, it's, this verse comes out of Psalms 139, which I really suggest. It's, if you want to meditate on a verse, verse speaks to so many things in, inside of our lives. Uh, he knows he's, he's with us every moment. One of the things we talked about in our Sunday school class today, the good news of Jesus Christ is he's here. No, he's here. Not just in some mystical spiritual cloud out there. He's here in person. And he knows each of us personally. He's here wherever we go, whatever we do. Uh, he's, he's personally with us. He searches out our ways wherever we're, even before we say anything, he knows what we're going to say. And he's, and he's there to help and, and to guide in each of these things. And he's walking with us. Everything we experience, good or bad, is either ordained or allowed by God. Job is the classic example of a time when we think Satan does think, no, God is it, God, God's got Satan on a leash. He can't do anything unless God allows him to. Now, people who haven't accepted Christ, all that, you know, we're, we, we follow, but still God's in charge of our life. Here's Here's Job. Those of you who aren't familiar with him, he's a, he's a very, he was the wealthiest man at his time. This is probably the oldest book in the Bible. This example, this picture, this parable, whatever you want to call it, was given to us. He feared God and turned away from everything that's evil. And so God and Satan are having a conversation, which is a strange thing in itself. But Satan you know, is there, and God says, have you considered Job? You know what he just did? Puts Job on the target. And, and Satan says, yeah, you just protect him all the time. And God says, go get him. Test him. Bring the trials. Bring, bring the things and see how he responds in those situations. He says, you put a hedge around him, take it away. And the Lord says, all, it, it, you got it. And so Job goes into this period of suffering. He loses all of his wealth. He loses his family, loses his children, loses everything that is there. But he didn't deny God. And he really has become an example throughout the, the, the centuries since then to that. Job, Job trusted God. You know, I, I love this, and that Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head. He was a godly guy. Uh, but he, he worshiped God in all of this pain, losing his family and everything else. He says, the Lord gave and the Lord take away. Then all these trials, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's overduring, overcoming trials and looking at what's there. Now, was, was Job upset about that? Uh, yeah, at the time. He didn't understand. He had a conversation with God later that took that. But would he take that away? Would he say, is he, you know, he's in heaven now. You know something? For probably... 4,000 years, Job has been an example of how to endure hardships and trials when you don't understand. I don't think Job's complaining now. I don't think uh, the blind man who was at the pool of Bethesda, who had been lame for almost 40 years, was really griping about the 40 years because he's in heaven, saying, there's an example. Uh, I was glad to play that part. A man that was blind, a woman bleeding, uh, James watching his brother Jesus die on a cross. 
all these painful trials and things that happen in our life, we ultimately get to a place where we look back and we understand. We understand God. We don't understand everything. We don't understand the trials, tribulations. God's ways are higher than ours. Why this? Why that? There's a, there's a question that people throw out. Why this? Your thoughts aren't my thought. God says my ways are higher than yours. His ways are really, if you look at your life right now, you're suffering things. I am. There's health, getting old. There's diagnosis. There's stuff. And the relentless process of aging that takes place. See, God understands all that. He's allowing that to take place. Do we understand it? Absolutely not. It's, it's the trust God. Because Job came to a place where, where God showed up. And uh, he came to God because Job had been saying, what did I do wrong? I, I want to know. And God said, I'm not going to tell you. In this life, there's things you're going through right now. You'll never know the reason. There's things I'm going through. We'll never know the reason. But God showed up to Job and, and said to him, oh, where were you when I made the world? In other words, saying, I don't think you got the wisdom I do. You don't have the power I do. And, and, and Job, I love Job's silence after that. Job answered to the Lord and said, behold, I'm small account. Can we say that? Can, in our trials and tribulations, can we stop and take that, that step back and say, Lord, you're God, I'm not. We can ask why trials are there, and I encourage you to do that. And I'm going to just touch on these quickly. Uh, the, the thing is, when God uh, made the heavens and earth, he, he turned it and established it. And if we want to know why we're suffering, he gives us his phone number. He says, call to me, and I will tell you great and wonderful things that you don't know. So when, if you're going through stuff, we can ask God, Job did, ask why. But ask in faith that God is God and is doing what is best for us, trusting him in the process. We can discuss before God, but don't argue with God. Don't tell him he's wrong in these things. You can ask, why am I experiencing pain? My short list is that I'm causing it. If there's pain in my life, I am doing something typically to bring it about because I sin, I fall short. So do you. And God says he's not mocked. If we sow foolishness, if I don't do certain things that I know I should be doing, well, there's going to be some consequences down the road. So, so do that. If, if you're overspending, there's pain of debt. If we're overeating, there's pants that don't fit anymore in my case. If you're under-exercising and not sleeping enough, there's consequences to that. God's not mocked. We're going to reap what we sow. So look for the cause of the pain in our life first and in our relationships. If you're having relational pain, fix it. I, I tell married couples that are having issues, I say, it just takes one of you to turn to Christ and live Christ. And, and your marriage will change. And then, then finally, we live in a fallen world. And we'll talk about this next week when we talk about the wisdom of the world that we do this. We live in a fallen world. We have fallen nature inside of ourselves, if you will, even though Christ lives inside of us. Christ has overcome the world. And that's our hope. That's, that's our trust uh, in this time. Uh, my suggestion, kind of a summary, is trust God. Abide in him. Know that he's doing a work beyond our understanding, our ability to find out what it is. Open the Bible. Talk to God. 
But again, very important. Prayer is two-way. Listen to what he says. If you've got an issue in your life and you say, ask him, Lord, what is this? What do you want me to do? And he will lead you through his word. And if you listen carefully, he'll show you what the steps he wants you to take. Join me in prayer, please. Lord, we thank you that you're God. We're not. Lord, the trials and the tribulations that, that come to us actually on a daily basis, physical, emotional, relational, financial, political, anything and everything that's, that comes into our life, we should count it all joy, not for the pain, but knowing that in it you will work steadfastness, endurance in our life, that we might grow. Thank you that you will patiently, lovingly chisel the sin out of our life. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for coming.